Hi, this is Timothy Pig, and I want to welcome you to Text Driven Podcast, a podcast put out by the Ministry of Fellowship Church in Southwest Florida. Text Driven Podcast exists to equip you to know God and make Him known through text driven preaching and practice. To learn more about Fellowship Church, visit our website, fellowshipchurch.co. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of Text Driven Podcast as we're in the middle of a series. And actually, this is going to be the last episode in this series dealing with the topic of spiritual warfare. There is nothing that Satan would uh, rather do than to destroy the life of the believer. He either wants to keep a person from ever coming to know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, or if that person has come to know Christ, and received him as their personal Lord and Savior, then his mission is to destroy the Christian witness. Because if he can expose the Christian as being a a hypocrite, if he can uh, destroy the life of the believer, and that that believer not live a spirit-filled, Christ-centered life, a text-driven life, then he has done great harm to the church. He's not destroyed the church. We still have the promise in Matthew chapter 16 that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Jesus and his resurrection is victorious over sin and death. He's defeated Satan. Satan is a defeated foe. However, as Satan roars around like a lion seeking to whom he can devour, he can certainly gobble up in uh, his mission local churches that do not protect themselves from the fiery darts of Satan. So what we've been trying to do over these last several episodes is simply to walk through uh, the topic of spiritual warfare seeing how we as believers can be on guard against the schemes and the tactics and all the different ways that Satan is going to mobilize his demons to come after us individually, but also corporately as a church. And in this final episode, we're going to deal with uh, the topic of surrender. Now, we've been dealing with spiritual warfare in a battle analogy the whole time. We've been talking about how it is warfare. It is not warfare against flesh and blood, but it is warfare against Satan. And there's a a battle going on every single day, the struggle against the flesh, the the. Uh, need to go on the offensive with the sword of the Spirit, the need to put on the armor, to be on defensive, have the shield of faith and the breastplate of righteousness, the need for the shoes of the gospel of peace to be on our feet so that we can be stable in the attacks that come against us, but also mobile to take the gospel to every corner of this world. So it might sound strange to you in the terms of spiritual warfare, in the terms of battle, to talk about surrender. Now, I do not want you to think that I'm saying that we should surrender or resign to Satan and let him be victorious. No, that's not what I mean by the term surrender. What I mean by surrender is a surrendering to God uttering our utter helplessness, our complete helplessness, unless he intervenes in the battle of spiritual warfare. Now, where does that come from in our passage? 
Well, let's take a look at it together in this final episode as we look at Ephesians chapter 6. And like we've done with each of our episodes, I'm going to read the entire section dealing with spiritual warfare. And then we're going to zone our time in for the rest of this episode on this idea of surrender or resigning to the work of God. We see here in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10, the text tells us to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now listen carefully. Praying at all times in the Spirit. And with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. The Apostle Paul ends his section on spiritual warfare by focusing on the last piece of armor. And that last piece of armor is an armor of surrender. It's the armor of prayer. Now, when we think about prayer, we need to think about it in terms beyond just a blessing over our food. A cry in a time of great a tragedy. But when we think about prayer, we need to think about it as the mindset of resigning ourselves to the will of God. If you haven't noticed throughout this entire uh, sixth chapter dealing with the topic of spiritual warfare, everything has been about God. You'll notice back in verse 10, we are told to be strong, not in our own strength, but in the Lord, the strength of his might. We are told to put on the whole armor, not our armor, not the world's armor, not our friend's armor, not our church's armor, but the armor of God. And it is only when we are in the strength of his might and we are, when we are wearing his armor that we're going to be able to stand against the devil. You'll notice again in verse 13, he tells us to take up the whole armor. And again, it's not our armor or the armor of the church or the armor of your favorite preacher or the armor of worship music on the radio or the armor of this, that, or the other. It is the armor of God. You'll notice that we are to fasten ourselves with the belt of truth. It is not our truth. 
It is not the world's truth. It is the only truth. It is the truth of God. It is God's truth. We're told to put on the breastplate of righteousness. As we talked about in that episode, it is not our righteousness. It is not the world's righteousness. It is not your pastor's righteousness. It is not your Sunday school teacher's righteousness. It is not your parents' righteousness. It is only the righteousness of God. We're told to put on shoes of the gospel of peace. We are naturally not peaceful people. Instead, we are conflicted people. But when we put on the gospel of of peace, we know that that is referencing the one who is peace, Jesus himself. Again, it is God's peace. Then we're told to take up the shield of faith. It is not our church's faith that extinguishes the fiery darts. It is not our parents' faith that extinguishes the fiery darts. It is not our pastor's preaching that extinguishes the fiery darts. No, it is the faith of God. It is the faith that has been given to us by God that allows for us to extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. We're told to put on the helmet of salvation. We know from beginning to end, salvation is not about us. There is nothing that we can do to procure our own salvation. Paul would write to the Philippians that he who began a good work in you would complete it. Paul would write to the church of Rome that uh, they have been justified and they will one day be glorified. Both of those terms indicate that it is not something that the Romans do, Roman believers do on their own. It is a work of God. Our salvation is not ours because we earned it. It is God's from beginning to end. Then our weapon that we go and have defense and offense with, the sword, it is not our sword. It is not the tactics of religion sword. It is not the sword of secularism. But instead, we're told that the only offensive weapon that we have is not even our own. It is the Spirit's sword. It is the sword of the Spirit. So as you notice, with each of these pieces of armor, it has nothing to do with us, but it has everything to do with God being at work. It is his righteousness, his salvation, his faith, his sword, his truth, his armor. And what prayer does is prayer recognizes that it's all about God. You see, one of the reasons why we lose the battle in spiritual warfare is because we are the ones that try to go to battle. We are the ones that try to defeat the schemes of Satan. We are the ones that try to extinguish the fiery darts. We are the ones that try to go on the offensive. We are the ones that try to protect ourselves. But what we learn here in this last piece in verse 18, that we are needing to pray and recognize that it is God who fights for us. You want to be victorious in spiritual warfare, let God Fight your battle, praying at all times in the Spirit. And when God gets a hold of your prayer life, and when you resign completely yourself to Him, this is how you're going to pray. Look at what He says. You should be praying for perseverance. You should be praying that every morning, 
every afternoon and every evening, you are consciously aware of your need for God to live through you. You know, that's the only way you're going to persevere. You know, that's the only sure way you're going to be victorious in this spiritual warfare. You know, that's the only way that you're going to be at the end of your life a faithful Christian is if you allow God to work through you. That's the only way I'm ever going to hear at the end of my life, well done, good and faithful servant. It is not because I have somehow been faithful to God. It's because God has been faithful to me and he has worked through me. He says we need to be praying, keep alert with all perseverance. The only way that happens is if God is working through you. But then we're also to be making supplication for all the saints. What an interesting thing to pray in the midst of spiritual warfare. You know, when you think about being in a battle, the person you want to pray for is not the guy next to you. You want to pray for yourself. When you're in the midst of a war zone, you, you want to pray for your own safety. But no, when the Spirit has His hold on you, when, the, when you are Spirit-filled and the Spirit is living through you and God is living through you and He's fighting for you, you do not worry about the battle that is raging. You pray for your other soldiers. That's what he says there by making supplication for all the saints. Now, what do you pray for the saints? Here's what you pray for your fellow comrades. Here's what you pray for your fellow church members. Here's what you pray for your pastor. Here's what you pray for your parents, your brother, your sister, your aunt. Here's what you pray for other believers around the world. You pray that they too will let God fight their battle. That's what we should be praying. We need to take our prayers off of ourselves and start praying for the people around us that they would live a spirit-filled life. And then finally, our prayers should be that the gospel would be boldly proclaimed. Why? Because there's a watching world out there. And that watching world is seeing how you react to the attacks of Satan, how you respond to the spiritual warfare. Now, they don't know that it's spiritual warfare. They don't recognize it as attacks, but from the outside, they see the pressures. They see the struggle. They don't know where it's coming from. They don't know why it's happening. They, they interpret it through physical means, but they're watching. And as they're watching, you need to be praying that God would give you boldness to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. That's what Paul asked these Ephesians to pray for him, that he would have boldness to proclaim the gospel. Now, I want you to notice something in closing. In verse 20, Paul says that as he's writing this letter, he is an ambassador in prison, in chains. Now, externally, as we think about that, it would lead us to think that Paul's been defeated, that Paul has lost the battle, that Paul has succumbed to the fiery darts of Satan, that Satan has hit him and knocked him down and he's got him in chains. Ladies and gentlemen, don't 
Don't miss what's happening here. Paul might be physically in chains. He might be in a prison, but he's winning the battle. Why? Because in that imprisonment, he is boldly proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the world might think that you're losing. But all that means is God has changed your mission field to make him known. So, how do we live victorious? How do we overcome spiritual warfare? How do we know that we will never be defeated? We stop fighting and we let God fight our battle for us. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Text Driven Podcast and walking through this series of spiritual warfare with me. If you'd like to know more information about Fellowship Church, I encourage you to visit our website, www.fellowshipchurch.co. For more resources like this one, you can find those on our website as well. And I also want to encourage you, if you're ever in the Southwest Florida area, to visit us at Fellowship Church. We have two convenient locations for you, one in Immokalee and the other one in Ave Maria. You can find the location and the times for our worship services on Sunday on our website also. And I want you to know that I'm going to be praying for you. And until next time, let's continue to live a text-driven life. God bless.